Hello, and welcome to Make Sense, a podcast where we focus on one of our five senses. Each week, we'll chat with a new guest and explore their experiences and relationship to that sense. I'm Chanel Miller. And I'm Karen Chi. This week, we're talking about our sixth sense, intuition, with our guest, comedian Amber Ruffin, who's joining us later on. But first, was there anything you intuited this week? So my dad and I last night went to see Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden, and we love him. And we were so excited, but then when we got there, I forgot that like most of the fans are white people, which is awesome. No. But when we no. were there, it was like it was Billy a moment Joel? where it was like me and my dad in a sea of of white people and button downs. And there was a moment of like, my intuition isn't awesome about what's happening right now. That's never happened to me. It's never happened to you? No, I've never been in a sea of white people. Yeah, it was really cute. Yesterday, my dad said three different times, this is the best day of my life. (laughs) That's so special that you got to do that together. I didn't have anything nearly as exciting. Definitely didn't have one of the best days of my life this week. (laughs) Did you intuit anything? Before my period starts, since seventh grade, my left foot will always ache. And that's how I know it's coming. And if there's anyone like medically listening to this who knows why that is, let me know. Oh, wow. Do you think if you ever become pregnant, it'll be your right foot? That hurts. Hope so. Well, now let's welcome our guest, Amber Ruffin. Yay! Hi, we're doing it. Yay. Amber, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, everybody. My name is Amber. Bamber Ruffin. I lied about my middle name. I am a freaking comedy writer and, uh, you know, Broadway musical book writer and uh, a loud person. Oh, I write for Late Night with Seth Meyers. And, um, and, and Karen Chi is a child that I gave birth to. Another fun fact about me. That's true. That's how Amber and I know each other, from the delivery room. (laughs) Yeah, that's where we first met. (laughs) Uh, We should also say, though, Amber is selling herself short. Amber has been nominated for multiple Emmys. You've won an actual Tony Award. Um, You've also, you're like a two-time New York Times bestseller for both of your books that you wrote with your sister, Lacey. Lots of accolades and awards. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, little baby. (laughs) <laughs> okay, Chanel, I know why your foot hurts. Oh, tell me, tell me. This is a theory. I'm <laughs> full of medical theories. And if I had like a fucking ounce of power, we'd all be dead because of the <laughs> conclusions I come to. This is what I think, though. You have an area in your foot that is difficult for blood to get through. And that causes the pain because you have extra period blood because when you're on your period you have more blood okay it fell apart but I think I'm right I do have Raynaud syndrome which is really bad circulation in my feet in my hands freaking I'm sorry I'm right I should have been a doctor I'm gonna cure everybody 
Wait, but this is a good segue, though, because um, our episode this week is focused on our sixth sense, specifically our intuition, and trusting your intuition can often feel like you're just guessing out of nowhere. So to start us off, we wanted to ask, Amber, where are you calling from right now, and what is your gut telling you about your current situation? Hmm. Thank you for asking. I am calling from my soon-to-be-given-up apartment. My gut is telling me that I'm not going to miss this place. But I am thinking about this apartment. I've been thinking about him all day because I know I'm going to leave him. Yeah. Because I hate his fucking piece of shit. I fucking hate this place. <laughs> Where are you going? I bought a house in upstate New York. And we don't have any jobs. We don't have a job now. So, <laughs> and then I'm writing on the whiz right now. Oh, and... The Wiz is going to go on tour, and then it's not going to land on Broadway until spring of 2024. So, for all I know, the only fast, uh, the only real date I have to be back in Manhattan is spring of 2024. So, mm -hmm. I'm giving this apartment up. This is just wasting my time. And it's gross in here. Karen, you've been here. It's gross. I thought it was nice. I feel like it's a nice, long apartment. It's, it's very long. It's too long. Yeah. Too long. <laughs> like a hot dog. <laughs> it's a hot dog of an apartment. Oh, that makes it sound nice. I love a hot dog. But would you want to <laughs> live in one? If living in a hot dog meant you could eat unlimited hot dogs, I would live in a hot dog. You would live in one if your walls were made out of meat? Okay. This is, okay. This is a great question. <laughs> and let's really, let's really, let's really focus. If it smells, then I guess not. Because I can't be the girl that smells like a hot dog. But you would get used to the smell, so you wouldn't notice it. But then when I leave the house, people will be like, what the fuck happened to you? You, think like <laughs> you can't leave. Yeah. There's no doors in a hot dog. What? <laughs> <laughs> I have to live there till I die from, uh, you know, too, too much sodium? Doctor, is that what you want? Thank you for asking. As a <laughs> medical doctor, it is the best way to die because it's oh. the yummiest. Uh, I wish I had gavel. <laughs> bang, bang. The doctor has spoken. <laughs> um, we wanted to ask earlier when you were talking about your gut and um, what it was telling you right now about the apartment. Can you do an impression of your gut for us? What does it sound like to you in your head? Okay, guys. I don't have any voices in my head ever oh it is only like feelings it's mm. only feelings even though it's my brain and I'm analyzing things it's only mostly happy yummy feelings and then just like shades of happy you know so it's almost never bad or sad it's just less a smaller amount of happy whoa so i'm imagining like a fog of happy that just shrinks and grows in size that's right i'm severely impulsive wait is that true a hundred percent Whoa. so i'll meet someone and be like fuck this bitch forever <laughs> and then <laughs> i mean that's maybe happened four times and each time i was right <gasps> So really? Each time. 
Yeah. Oh I don't gosh. know that many bad people. You really have to. I mean, ultimately, my gut is bad. Ultimately. Mm. Because, I mean, when I'm when I say someone's bad, they're bad a billion percent. But so many bad people slip through the cracks that it doesn't matter. Gotcha. <laughs> I, 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 almost every time I meet a person, I'm like, hi, I love you. Whoa. So does that ever come back to bite you? Like, was there a time you didn't? Yes, girl. Today. What? Fucking all the time. Oh. All of the time. Just now. This was yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, I was walking to work and I saw a guy who was very old but he seemed happy and I he was walking at me and I was walking you know past him on the sidewalk and I smiled at him <laughs> he saw me smile at him and as, he, as I got close he went <laughs> I was like my gut is trash wow <laughs> wait but speaking of which we were curious because you spent so much time um like studying improv and doing improv and sketch comedy in Chicago do you feel like doing improv sort of shaped your intuition or do you feel like your intuition changes when you're on stage versus when you're off stage? I honestly think that doing improv made me impulsive because at Boom Chicago, you had to, you know, it's all short form improv. So you have to hurry up and say a punchline now. Mm. And then the part about that, you know, when you think about that, you think of like, oh, you have to hurry up and come up with a punchline this second. That's part of it. But also what you become addicted to is knowing whether you are good or bad instantly. You know, so you get like 70 pats on the back during a show or middle fingers. You know what I mean? Because you, you tried and it makes you greedy to try more and to get a result. So I think it made me more impulsive like and I think in being impulsive and being greedy are very close they're neighbors and I am both I'm greedy and I want it and I'm Does snatching that it help with now. your like working in <laughs> other mediums like do you write faster and pitch ideas faster and just execute faster because you know if it won't work you'll just scrap it or turn to something else yes I am ready for everything I write to be thrown in the trash I don't give a rip so I just write Everything's a numbers game, really. Everything. It's, but especially comedy. Comedy is a numbers game. How many times can you get up there? Even how many reps? Like, you can't figure out, and this is so the fucking grossest way to say this. A big part of comedy is figuring out what the most palatable version of you is. Ooh. Isn't that a gross thing to say? It's gross. It's gross, but it's true, and we were living in it. But it is, and then you just become the thing that gets the most laughs because the more laughs you get, the happier you are. Mm. In terms of getting feedback, you don't take things so personally. It sounds like just, what's the water off a duck's back? You're able to, you don't get knocked because mm -hmm. you just, you're in continual motion. I don't get knocked because I know that I'm liable to say very dumb shit. <laughs> but I've been around long enough that I've seen great people have horrible ideas. So I know it's not just me. Everybody has terrible ideas. And, you know, some of them get made. You watch movies. Shoot. <laughs> so I, I feel like 
I'm allowed to be absolutely terrible and it doesn't, you know, doesn't matter. No one cares. And like when I was um, young, when I lived in LA, I, we had this little group and we would shoot fun videos and we thought we were so cool. We're like, we're a real sketch group. We're doing it. We made, I think 10 videos. I want to say two of them were good. And I'm going to say three of them were very bad. Mm-hmm. And then the rest were, who cares? But two were good. And then I got jobs from those two videos. No one cared about the bad videos. No one cared. I got actual money, actual work from those two videos. And I think about that all the time. Because if you try to remember, well, I mean, this is true for me. If I try to remember, you know, all the packets I've read. I can't remember the bad stuff. I only remember the good stuff. And I think that's true of people. People, when you're trying and it's creative stuff, you don't remember the crap. You remember when you were like, wow, this was really good. Because we're talking so much about comedy here, we were going to zoom out a little bit and ask you questions sort of in the larger scope of things about your career. Um, But Chanel, do you want to ask the first question? How and when did you know you wanted to pursue comedy, like, full blast? <laughs> yes, blast. That's the clinical, you said that so the well. clinical term. <laughs> I knew I wanted to pursue comedy full-time when I realized I could eat. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to eat food. <laughs> No, but I didn't really go. (laughs) I didn't really go, oh, well, I have to do, I I, I want to pursue this thing. And maybe, man, I'm just in it to bring it. I could be delivering the mail tomorrow. I don't give a rip. We got, I'm just a greedy, snatchy guy. (laughs) So if there's stuff I can have, I'm going to try to have it. Shoot. What was that project? When I got Boom Chicago. Mm -hmm. So I moved to Chicago and took improv classes. And I just so happened to audition for a theater called Boom Chicago that's in Amsterdam. And when I did Boom Chicago, I was like living, you know, on the other side of the world in an apartment that I was paying for. And every night I had to go, you know, put on a suit and do theater and it was so freaking cool and I couldn't believe it and when I got there I they needed me for the poster for the uh, show and so then I was in the um uh, like yeah on the big poster on the building where it was like three stories high it was big but then also one of the trams the 26 had me on it <gasps> And it was just a giant me. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> Did you have to wear the suit? Oh, yeah. That has really messed me up for life. <laughs> because they were really like, you should never be out dressed by someone in the audience. You should be the best looking person here. Whoa. I was Interesting. like. I like this and I subscribe to this and I'm all about it. It was cool when we were all in suits like little business babies. I freaking loved that. No, I really love that because I feel like as an audience member, when I see something, especially if it's going to be improvised, if everybody comes out looking intentional, you're kind of like, 
this is a show. Like these are people doing something they've trained at, they've worked really hard at, as opposed to a spontaneous thing that is just happening. I'm saying also like as a not white man, you learn to get every uh, every leg up you can, mm. you know? Like I think all minorities have that a little bit where like you're always early and you always do a little bit more work than you have to when you always look a little bit nicer than, you know? <laughs> so I just think at, that's also part of that mentality where I'm like, this puts you ahead. Anything mm-hmm. that puts you ahead a little bit, freaking take it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait to backtrack a little bit. Um, well, because I feel like maybe the, the thing you said about you taking every opportunity to try and get a little bit ahead, right? Like dressing better or showing up early. That also is a kind of form of greediness. Um, and so kind of going on that, when people offer you projects or ideas or collaborations or things, how do you know when it's time to be greedy and say yes to those? And how do you know like when to say no? Because I'm sure you're inundated with asks. I mean, I like to say yes to things that are a little bit hard mm. because I'm trying to get good at everything. So let's, you know, let me give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I am greedy for new experiences. Ooh. So if someone's like, do you want to do this thing that's a little outside of your zone? Then I'm like, yeah, I guess this is information I should have. I want to be a little good at everything. It always comes in handy, dude. It always comes in handy. You, I, I have never done a thing that didn't come in handy later. Hmm. It's all a friggin' episode of MacGyver where I just so happen to need that chewed up piece of gum. Like it all, it all comes back. I love that. I wanted to ask, so you worked on a book and a podcast with your older sister, Lacey. And yeah, she's so old and gross, guys. <laughs> You're so young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very close to my sister, too. We are able to pick up non-verbally when something is off or really funny and it's really dangerous because there are certain scenarios where I know I cannot look at her I can't even hear air come out of her nose because I will lose lose it and I want to ask you if there have been situations where your you know intuitive communication is so strong that you don't need to think but you know what the other one's thinking um yes our friend jenny hagel calls me and Lacey uh personality twins where we're truly the same guy in two different bodies it's the same guy it's the same jokes it's the same and it's like Lacey, i think is one of the funniest people on planet earth but there's like a solid 20 percent of the time where we say the exact same joke at the exact same time and then it's not the joke it's the fact that we said it at the same time that makes us laugh i want to ask if she has funny experiences and you are the creator because i realize most people don't think oh i got to write that down or i got to document it as sisters like is your role if if she experiences something or shares a story with you, you're the one who begins like formatting it or like making sure you're capturing it. Like who is 
preserving these moments? Well, Lacey and I wrote a book called You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey, Crazy Stories About Racism. And she, what she had done was write down every time something happened to her at work. So then, because, you know, you have to do that at work because, just in case you don't know, if you're a minority at work, then what will happen is a white person will be like, ew, look at your gross hair. And then you'll be like, you can't call my hair gross. That's terrible. And then they'll be like, you can't talk to me that way. I'm going to HR. So <laughs> then you have to have written that down because when they get to HR, they're just going to say, she screamed at me for no reason. She's a madman. Mm-hmm. So then you have to come to them with the rest of the story. Blah, blah, blah. Wow. So for her, it's like evidence collection, yeah. not creation. That's right. She wasn't writing it down for fun. She was writing it down. And she wrote down everything. No one has receipts. Like, Lacey got receipts. <laughs> Lacey got receipts. In your life, how are you documenting these moments? Or if it, a joke occurs to you or an experience, are you just jotting it down? Is there any format for you? No. And I never write down stuff I think is funny. And that makes me insane. Every once in a while, in the middle of the night, you know, as you fall asleep, you go, oh, my God, that's the funniest thing. Let me quick write it down. And you write it down, you wake up, and you're like, elbow noodles are the same as elbows, but they're outside of your body. That's a bad joke. You know? (laughs) And then, so, like, I never write down a great idea, ever. I never do. I write a sketch because it's time to write a sketch. And that is uh, probably not a cool thing to say. But fucking, look, I got two hours. So I need to write a sketch. So something's happening. Something's getting written. Because I I only have these two hours. So then I have my little method of how to write it. Because I know I only have a little bit of time. Are you allowed to share the method? Yes. Here's the method. A news story breaks. And I go, oh, I should probably have something written about this. Let's see if we can find a a sketch out of it. And then I go, by the time I get up, I have to have written five ideas. And then I can come up with five ideas. But, you know, this is all from Boom Chicago because Mm. people used to say, lemon. And you'd have to sing a song about a lemon. It had to be instant. We have the luxury of time. We are so rich with time. (laughs) This is so fascinating to me, the way you experience time and call it a luxury to have a day. Like, this is so interesting to me because I feel like in the book writing world, it's so stretched out. People will take seven years if they can to write a novel. and Absolute torture. Torture. But writing a musical, the idea of it is cool. But I'm telling you, it is torture. It takes so long. Oh, God. And then you got to do it and do it again. You do it and you rewrite it. You do it. You watch them do it. And then they bring in all the props and everything has to change. I got to carry the bucket all the way to the other side of the stage. So you have to switch my lines to his lines. But then they have to be half the. Man, it's horrible. It's it's the thing we don't do at late night because you don't have time to get nitpicky. You, you can't be. There is no time. Okay, I had one question before we want to go on to this thing called the drizzle round. But based on this book that you wrote, because you wrote it with your sister, and you said you are personality twins, which is such a great description. 
um, what happens when the two of you are together experiencing something? And specifically, like, within the context of the book, which is Lacey experiencing racism happening at her, when the two of you are together experiencing something negative, does it alter the way you act? Because you know there's another person experiencing it the exact same way as you? 100%. Because, like, well, it depends on what it is, right? Because if it's, like, a gross guy coming up to Lacey, which happens a lot because she's so cute. If that, But when that happens and the guy is scary, buddy, you best believe. I'm like, hey, come here. <laughs> Bitch, I, will, I am insane. Because it's your sister. Yeah. I'm insane. But also, like, I, in those moments when I am cussing out a crazy person, I am telling the truth. Because I will follow you out to your car. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. But uh, also, like, if it's just, like, a crazy racist thing, we are now, like, sickos. Where, like, someone will start, <laughs> like, like someone will, like, like, like look at us, like, ew, and cut us in line <laughs> or something. And we'll, like, hold each other and be like, <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> the thing we wrote a book about is happening. And we laugh and laugh and laugh. Yeah, I remember I was in a taxi in New York with my sister and the guy, the taxi driver was like, what's your background? And I was like assessing if like if, if I said Chinese, is he going to be like COVID, get out or like what Asian I should be? So finally, I looked at my sister. I kind of assessed the situation. I decided, yes, I'll tell him that we're uh, Chinese. And then his response was, I can count to 10. And so he started counting into 10 and my sister and I just waited and we we're looking at each other like nodding. And then as soon as he got to 11, we were like, oh, no. And then it just kept going up and up and up. But that was like we were like locked in. Just like keep it steady. Let him finish counting. Let's see how high he can go. And then we'll unpack this when we get out. <laughs> Wait, how high did he go? How high did he go? 20. 20. Wow. 20. I will say... Double what he said. Most people, when they say like an Asian language at me, they can only go to 10. So I'm kind of impressed. This guy sounds like he really knew what he was talking about. Big yikes. We're going to bring you into this thing called the drizzle round. So yeah. Our first question I want to ask is, do you believe in a higher power because where do you think this intuition is coming from? Something I try not to ever say is that I do not believe in God. I do not believe in a higher power at all. I just have seen what church have has done to formerly normal people, formerly normal people. And I just don't think that something would be like, well, all this death and destruction and hate is happening in my name, but that's fine. I knew that ahead of time, and I kept being me, knowing that the cost of it was this great, because to me it's nothing. You know, that's crazy. Um, but I do think, like, like it, I think that we are capable of way more things than we think. I think people like to not be in charge of themselves and they like to hope that good things will happen like I don't think that you can be like I willed it and then it came to me like, <laughs> I don't think that that's a thing but I do think that you can really be 
prepared for really great stuff mm. and you can really be in tune with people like if that's a superpower then that's that's the power to have blah 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 there is no god <laughs> but i love that because it does it feels even the last few years feel so out of your control and there's this like collective helplessness but you're saying there is more that we can rein in and control and even like you said in improv like maybe the audience has a perception that it's random but there is a lot of intention going into it to and mm-hmm. it is being sculpted even though it's not scripted yeah. so even though we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow that's you right. can still put intention into it you can still guide it to something that's like worth watching so yeah we also wanted to know especially because sometimes things happen in the world where you you're like oh i feel like a tingliness like a strange sensation spidey sense a spidey sense um have you ever experienced that in the form of deja vu yes girl i'm sorry I <laughs> but i have deja vu all of the time I would say I have deja vu every two months and I stand there and I go, oh, oh, uh, oh, oh, no. Which makes me, I, it makes me so curious what deja vu is because it is always happening to me. Wow. Now, do I only do like the same five things? Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do have deja vu a lot and I have never given it any thought and I guess that's the next rabbit hole i'll fall down hmm. because i do wonder like do you get deja vu i i rarely do which is why when people do get it i'm always so fascinated um the closest thing i've gotten is i've been to a place and been like have i been here before but then i'll immediately be like i have been here before <laughs> we're like, just talking about this is just, <laughs> yeah this is just me having a bad memory that is slow to catch up wait Chanel what about you do you get deja vu I remember the first time I had it I was nine and I was in my dad's van and we were dropping something off at the dumpster and then I just had this really funny feeling and I was telling it to my dad I was like dad have we been to this dumpster he's like no I was like yes but we have (laughs) it was really I couldn't I mean even now how do you describe what the feeling of deja vu is. What does that even mean, right? What is that? But it's so potent in your body when you're feeling it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's like when that cat walks by in the Matrix. Remember that? That black cat walked by Mm -hmm. and he glitched. And then he walked by again and he had the same glitch. And that's deja vu. I really want to experience this. I wonder if it's that because I have a bad memory, I have had it and I've just forgotten that I've had it. And one day it'll hit me. Dang. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you didn't remember the first time <laughs> yeah. enough. So yeah. when it happens the second time, you're like, this is the first time. That's true. I just keep going to the same store being like, what a lovely <laughs> store. I wonder what they sell. That's right. <laughs> um. Okay. Is there a thing you've read about in a book or seen in a piece of media that you'd like to experience in real life? No, I, I do not think that that's true. And I always say this, I always go, I've seen many things and I've been so many places. 
I don't need n- any more new experiences. I'm full. I'm full <laughs> up. I'm done. Well, that's great. It sounds like you're very content. Like, that's such a great place to find yourself in. Um, okay, so we have one last thing. We're going to test. We're going to put your intuition to the test. So we're going to have a yeah. series of questions for you. Um, and so you, this one, we want you to answer very quickly. Um, and you can just say your immediate reaction. And then we'll tell you whether or not your intuition was correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Amber, you are walking down the street at yeah. 10 p.m., way past your bedtime. Yep. Suddenly, a man in a trench coat appears out of nowhere. What do you do? I t- ask him to open his trench coat, and I want to see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Your intuition was correct was slightly off the answer is as you get closer you realize this man is your dad <laughs> you say hi you give him a big hug and you have Yay! a great time with him guys my intuition's pretty good i want to see what that what are you wearing oh, we have two more tests. Okay. Yeah. i'm ready amber you are at a restaurant okay. absolutely yes. famished and yeah. about to eat a lobster by yourself when all of a sudden you hear Amber Ruffin? Is that you? What do you do? Nothing. I go, nope, that's not me. I don't know who you are. <laughs> okay, your intuition was wrong. The reveal is that it's the lobster talking. The lobster <gasps> is no! a fan of yours. <laughs> no! You take the oh, lobster no! home with you and adopt him as your little brother. No! Oh, man, that's a mess up. <laughs> I would have loved to talk to the lobster. Oh, man. <laughs> Now, that's a new experience I would want. Yeah. If you could talk to a lobster, I would want to hear what he has to say. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. You see a $100 yeah. bill on the street. There's no one around. What do you do? Pick it up. I know it's the wrong answer, <laughs> but I do. I pick it up. It is the wrong answer. Amber, that $100 bill belonged to a baby. And now the baby is <gasps> crying. <laughs> to make up for it, you have to take the baby to Toys R Us for the rest of the day. And all your plans have been ruined. Wait, though, did I lose? Because going to Toys R Us with baby sounds very fun. Okay, that's a good that's point. That's something I would enjoy. Yeah. Wait, it sounds little like baby you have... to little baby gift to little baby toys? Yeah. Oh, yay! I'd love to give a little baby a bunch of toys. Do I get to be Santa for a whole day? Yeah, I want that. I want that. You're right. You're right. You're right. It sounds like your intuition. Also, we found a Toys R Us that's still open. (laughs) It's a miracle day. (laughs) That's true. Oh man. Okay. Well, Amber, that's actually that's it. That's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. We did a good job and we win and yay! I hope you have a great day with your baby. Karen at Toys R Us. All right. I can't wait. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Make Sense with Amber Ruffin and, of course, with us, Chanel and Karen. We hope we've encouraged you to go into the world with your senses wide open. And we'd love to hear from you. So send a one to three sentence description of something you've experienced to makes.sense.pod at gmail and we might share it on a future episode. Have a great week. Smell you later. Our producer is Kelly Wessinger. Our engineer is Jack Inslee. 
Our theme music is by Zakar Valaha, Michael, and Top Flow Production. Don't forget to like and subscribe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts.